in China podcast, where a British and an American girl satisfy all your curiosity and questions about what it's like to live in China today. And now your hosts, Holly and Nora. Everyone, hello! Welcome back to another episode of the Two White Chicks in China. This is episode one hundred and eighteen. Thanks for listening. Yeah. So, Nara, do you have a fact about China for us? Yes, I do. I know it's been popular in the West for quite some time. This Korean beauty regimen.、Mm-hmm. Have you heard of this craze? So it's like a million steps or something like that. Oh. So yeah, apparently in China as well, the average steps that people take in the evening to take care of their skin is six steps. I don't know how many you take, Holly, but in the U.S., I think it's between two and three. I would say personally three, three, maybe、yeah. four. Yeah, mine's pretty solid. Actually, mine is one. <laughs> Because I have that lush, I'm like lush enthusiast, and it's like a all-in-one. You just wipe it on and wipe it off. It's the laziest thing、mm-hmm. ever, and I don't even have to moisturize or any of that stuff. So I'm one, and Chinese are six. But I looked on Jing Daily. I've been liking JingDaily.com for news about China, and it says, according to a recent report published by the luxury e-commerce website VIP.com. In collaboration with iResearch Consulting Group, China's male Zillennials or post 95s are showing greater interest in skincare and cosmetics every year. So, from 2015 to 17, beauty consumption by this segment rose 60% on VIP.com. Facial masks and skincare sets were the two types of products they liked most. Okay, I can't really imagine a lot of men wearing these facial masks. But anyway, this trend has already motivated industry leaders such as L'Oreal to develop male beauty lines for China. Yeah, definitely seeing more and more of that. And I've read several articles recently about just that, and not just using face masks and cleansers, but also makeup targeted、mm-hmm. specifically towards men. Yep. Compared to their Western counterparts, says JingDaily.com,、mm-hmm. Chinese male consumers are likely to establish skincare habits early. Consequently, young Chinese men represent a huge opportunity for beauty brands. The mainland male skincare and cosmetics products market is expected to reach 1.9 billion yuan in 2019. It's growing twice as fast as the global cosmetics market. What are the steps? Do you know what the steps are? These six steps. Like I find four is a like at a push. Like, what can you possibly do like for two more steps? One、mm, I saw was called essence, and I don't know exactly what that was. So one is like a first you use some kind of oil or cream based cleanser to remove your makeup. Yeah. Then you have some kind of like a foam cleanser.、Um, Then you have this thing called essence, which I don't really know、like、what that serum, is. Like a serum, maybe serum for like. That's later. And- That's、okay, later.、Right. So then there's yeah essence, which I don't know what that is. Then toner, right? Yeah. Then serum, then moisturizer, and then eye cream. Oh my god, that's more than six, then, right? I don't know. This is、what? it's a lot. It's、oh. a lot. Well, skin is really important in China. I think yeah, there are more women here who go without any makeup, like no foundation, or I think. In the states, a lot of women use foundation or some kind of compact powder.、Mm-hmm. In China, I feel like there's not that many people who do that. They spend a lot of effort polishing their skin. That's true. They have a lot of beauty contraptions that they use.、Right. Um, a lot of people refuse to go to bed late or eat spicy foods、mm-hmm. or be- chocolate. 
Mm-hmm. In order to preserve this the skin, it's super, super important. Yeah. To be honest, though, I think ladies in the West could learn a lot from this because I think a lot of women realize too late that they should have spent more time and effort looking after their skin. Yeah, I think in the States especially, the name of the game is convenience. Right. And people don't want to spend the time. It's not considered important to spend the time on your skin like mm-hmm. they do in China where it's like... <gasps> You fell asleep with your makeup on? Yeah. Your skin is never going to recover. Yeah, it's like, that's it for you. <laughs> End of the line. That's it. What, what was the figure there that you said? Like, uh, um, the amount of money that people would spend? Oh, and I think that's just for the male. Just for men. Yeah. That's amazing. I, I think that's another thing that, compared with the West, people I think people do spend a lot more money on those, like, facial, you know, cleansers and moisturizers, way more than people do in the in the West. And I think that comes back to convenience as mm-hmm. well. I think even young women tend to do a facial mask, like, every night yeah. or every other night. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Was- well, they, they do that on the on the planes. You'll see them, like, in the middle of a flight, like, they're all, you know, if, if girls are traveling together or a family of women, like, they'll all have the face masks on together. Uh, <laughs> That's I, I, sweet. Yeah, I heard someone, I don't know if it was something I read or someone actually told me this, that they were sat next to a woman, a young Chinese girl, and he must have fallen asleep and then woken up. I think it was my father-in-law, in fact. And he said, I woke up and she was curled up in like the fetal position with like this black face mask on her. And he was like, he was like, what is this? Like, he had no idea what was going on. I was like, oh, it's very, like, it's common, you know, that. Yeah, I've they seen these, these like black lace. Something. Yeah, or I've seen um, this kind of cloth, like special cloth. It looks like lace, and it really oh. looks horrifying because it's just like a black <laughs> mask with two eye holes, and it's just like it's black like lace movie. all over your face. Oh. Yeah, it's like the Abominable Bride or something like that. Yeah, it's very interesting though. Mm-hmm. So do we have any news or comments? Mm. What's going on, Holly? Yeah, so my news article, actually, this is kind of connected to our last week's news article. The headline is, this comes from the New York Times, by the way, wanted a Chinese startup's attractive women to ease Coda's stress. <gasps> oh, I've have heard, you read, about have you read this. I haven't read this particular article, but I've this seen in the news lately that there's been a lot of buzz around very misogynistic job applications in the IT industry. Yeah, it's amazing to be honest. So this is tech companies are now searching for people like Shen Yue and the qualifications are you must be attractive, know how to charm socially awkward programmers and give rela- relaxing massages. Wait, Shen Yue? Sh- no, 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 Shen Yue. She's a girl. This is a woman, Miss Shen. Oh. Uh, yeah, she's, she's, this article focuses particularly on this woman because she seems to have like kicked off this whole thing. Oh, it's this woman who she, has yeah, started this accident- program. No, 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 she hasn't started anything. It was an accident. It was basically like an accident that it, ha- it occurred. So she, she basically applied for a job for this company and she was kind of what it sounds like she was just working as like a receptionist but then she's now being called a programmer motivator (laughs) and fluffer yeah they're saying that she's part psychologist part cheerleader and these women are hired to chat up and calm stressed out coders guys who are nerds with no social lives and this is i'm quoting from the article by the way this is not what i'm saying what's crazy is this woman uh miss miss shen as they're naming her she's a 25 year old who has a degree in civil engineering from a university in beijing so she's qualified i mean not qualified for this job i mean she has qualifications it's quite interesting as we, we kind of mentioned in the last episode about how these social quote norms in china are very 
are very different uh, as opposed to in the West where a lot of women are like activists against stereotypical female roles women in China are kind of accept those roles a little more or just you know they, they don't feel the need to fight against roles they're put into if you know what I mean so this one she actually said she doesn't consider this job to be sexist she said many feminist ideas are too extreme now I think women should be independent self-reliant and have self-respect and that's enough this article is actually really long and it goes in to talk about tech companies in China and the amount of women that work with tech companies and whatnot. So I really recommend actually reading this whole article and I'm going to put the link in our show notes which will be at writtenchinese.com slash episode 118. It's a really interesting article and she's actually... Like, her salary is quite decent. Like, when I was reading this, I thought, oh, man, she's going to be totally taken advantage of. But she's earning almost $1,000 a month, which isn't bad. Historically, China has had quite a few matriarchies. And mm-hmm. and you definitely see that in business here in southern China. I'm not sure if it's the same in northern China. I haven't been exposed as much as I am here. But I see a lot of very fierce female bosses here yep. in China. So I I definitely know that there's sexism in the workplace and and quite blatant sexism, but there's also a lot more... I think I read an article about the number of female CEOs in China. Mm -hmm. I can't remember the exact details, but I do remember being very surprised actually at how many women take the leadership roles in China. Yeah, uh, China actually has the world's largest number of self-made female billionaires. Aha, uh-huh, yep. Yeah. That doesn't surprise me at all because mm-hmm. I know several of them. Yeah, right. I mean, I've met quite a few women who are self-made, just really excellent business yeah. women. Yeah. I mean, I think we've talked in general in China how there are so many massive differences. You know, you have the ultra-rich and the, the ultra-poor living side by side. And this is kind of the same thing in China. There are lots of Chinese women who've made massive strides in the workplace and they're billionaires who've contributed to startups and they're in, like, as you said, CEO roles. But then there are the complete opposite where... Although China has gender discrimination laws, unfortunately, that most of the time they're not enforced and there are lots of stories. And I'm not just, this isn't actually just about women. This is just about people in, let's say, working class job roles that feel the need to act a certain way to get a job. They have to look a certain way and behave a certain way and they'll do it in order to get a job because it's just so difficult. It's so, there's so much competition. Didn't we read somewhere that like 80% of women in the workforce have had some kind of plastic surgery I think, or and men, crazy? I think that's across the board, not just women. I think it's men and women too. Yeah. But I think it's more dif- I think it is. I, I would say it's probably more so for, for women. Yeah. And remember that article you brought up? It's been months now, but there was a man who was running a company and he was requiring yep. his female yep. employees to kiss him yep, in the this, morning? This, I was thinking about the same thing when I was reading about this, uh, reading this article here. So you yeah. have like a lot of extremes. Yeah, and this kind of thing has, I mean, it's not, it does crop up now and again. And there was, do you remember a story again quite some time ago where there was a woman, she viewed herself as a man or, or she, she identified as a, as a man so she wore men's clothing and she got sacked because the company just did not want this woman to appear as a man. They just didn't appreciate it. It's interesting in some ways in China it's better for women. Like I think in the West there are a lot of stereotypes with female bosses. Either they're like way too soft or they're you know everyone calls them a bee. Yeah. <laughs> but in China I feel like 
it seems like men here don't have as big of a problem working for a woman. But then you have situations like that, what you just mentioned, where it's pretty extreme and that wouldn't fly mm -hmm. in the West. So you kind of have, it, it's just different. It's very different here. The landscape is just totally different. Agreed. Right. Well, uh, let's move on to our question. And our question this week comes from Brianna. And she asks us, when you go to other countries outside of China, do you have to get additional vaccinations? If so, would you get these vaccinations in China or are these just things you prepared yourself for before you left your home countries? Speaking of vaccinations, were there certain ones you had to get before you moved to China? Some are only recommended by the CDC, but not necessary. So which did you decide to go for? I want to answer in the reverse first. If I'm completely honest, I can't remember. I know I had two vaccinations before I came to China and actually I should have gone back for like a top up, but obviously I never went back to the UK, so it never happened. And I think one of them was for yellow fever and I know that the nurse said to me you don't actually need these but why not have them just in case but I can't remember what the other one was did you have vaccinations before you came over mm -hmm. I also had two so I had Japanese encephalitis mm. and then I had hep A I'm thinking I had a hep something or other when I did some research I actually found that in the UK the vaccinations that you should consider getting, you don't have to, is also happy. So I don't know if that's something that is like to top up because it also mentions vaccinations such as rabies and tetanus, which are which are vaccinations that you should have had as a kid. Um, but isn't tetanus like you get it and then if you need it again, you need to get it again? I think it's a, it's one of those things that sometimes you need it. Like you should definitely go to the hospital if you've had some sort of accident. Right. But I'm sure we get a tetanus jab in school. You know, first of all, let's just give a little disclaimer. Mm -hmm. Neither Holly nor I are healthcare professionals. Right. So please do your own research. Please Talk do. to your doctors. Yeah, yeah, We're just saying what, what we've done in our opinion, yeah. but please don't use that as a golden standard because yeah. we don't really know what we're talking about. Right. <laughs> and, and even more so, like, I actually, to get some of this information, I went to both the cdc.gov website for the for Americans and several sites for the UK. One is the nhs.uk site, which will direct you to several other websites, which give you, depends on the destination you're going to. Because actually, as I recall, when I made my appointment for the I just saw a nurse, I didn't have to see a doctor. She asked me specifically, like, what do you want? And I was like, oh, I'm going to China, can't you tell me? And she was like, and she actually looked it up, so she didn't specifically know. So it's best to, to have a good idea of what you think you might know. And then, I mean, for the UK, that is, she could direct you, probably. And also, China is a big country. I feel like some of the diseases in southern will be more common in southern China versus in northern China. And it also depends on where you'll be traveling. Are you just going to be in the big city? If so, if you're eating at your average restaurant in a big city, you're probably going to be fine. For example, like with hepatitis A, if you're eating at places that have fairly good conditions, you're probably going to be all right with that. Yeah. But if you're doing a lot of traveling around and eating in less established restaurants, <laughs> maybe it would be a good idea to get hepatitis A. For myself, with a baby, I have her do all of the ones that they recommend here in China. I just follow what they suggest and she's gotten a a lot of them. So she's gotten Japanese encephalitis. It's all in Chinese. It's hard to... <laughs> yeah. It's hard to translate because they also have their own cocktails. So they've got maybe five or six different vaccines in one shot sometimes. So yeah. it's not always easy to know what they're vaccinating for. I think it also depends on your own health condition too. 
Yeah, well, I actually, so as I said, I, I checked out the CDC website, and this is specifically people traveling from the USA to China, and it suggests Hepe, so that's what you had, right? Mm-hmm. And also typhoid. Oh, okay. I this didn't is, get that one. Yeah, this is from what it says, it does, because it breaks it down, it's actually really clear, and I, I really recommend people to check this out. I'll, I'll, we'll link to this in our show notes. And this is for most travelers, it says Hepe and also typhoid, especially if you're going to be traveling into smaller cities or rural areas, or if you're an adventurous eater. This is actually in the text. <laughs> Um, and it says for some travellers, Hep B, Japanese encephalitis, polio, rabies, yellow fever, and to take as many precautions against malaria as you can. For the UK, it's pretty much similar, except that it also adds the typhoid as a suggestion. One thing that I came across, which I definitely did not have, which was a yellow fever vaccination certificate. This is from the UK, but this was on our NHS.uk site. If you're over nine months of age and you're arriving from a country with risk of yellow fever transmission, okay. So if you're coming from a country into China that has a risk of yellow fever, then you also need this certificate. Oh, so so I guess for me, it wasn't an issue. I think it also depends on your age too. People who are older, I suspect it will be easier for them to catch or more difficult to get over some of these things so maybe take extra precautions if you're above the age of 60 i think it's probably wise yeah in terms of traveling to other countries outside of china i've never gotten me neither and yeah so i've been to quite a few of the southeast asian countries here including myanmar which is less developed than most of the other backpack havens in southeast asia and i didn't have any problems mm-hmm. i haven't had any other vaccinations although i'm sure if we needed them i'm sure it'd be quite easy to go just go and get them from the from a, a, a clinic or a hospital i don't know if you would need to arrange it in advance you have more experience with hospitals than me hmm i guess you'd probably just make an appointment and request the vaccine i'm not yeah. i'm not sure i haven't i've gone to like with with my daughter i just go to the local clinic it's literally in my neighborhood yeah. and then they have a chart that shows what stuff she's already gotten and what she needs and then they just they have all the vaccinations there mm-hmm. so you may just be able to do that yeah um, but if you're a tourist and you're just traveling around and you're considering going to another country in Southeast Asia and you feel like you want to get a vaccine and you don't have a local clinic that you know and trust, then you could probably just you know, just ask any other foreigner what are some of the good hospitals around, and then they'll give you some recommendations and you can get your vaccines from there. I'm not going to say going to a hospital is going to be the easiest thing to do, but you can just walk in, you fill out some forms and whatnot. Uh, you don't need anything special to go to a hospital here. Yeah, if you don't have an insurance card in China, you can just pay out of pocket and it's not going to be very expensive. Um, Well, (laughs) as an American, I say that because I just expect medical service to be really expensive. But I doubt that it's going to cost like any of the vaccines that I think the most expensive vaccines that I've gotten for Dahlia have been like 40 or $50. And that's the top, the top US dollars. Yeah, right. But that's like the top end. Most of them are either free or like 10 bucks. So I, I mean, you're not gonna, it's not worth it to get insurance just no. in the chance that you might want to get a vaccine here because you can still get one, no problem. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think expensive to me, even coming from, like with the NHS, which is free, if it's getting into the thousands, 
that expensive, but I feel as though unless you're having like a proper operation, it's, there's nothing going to be that expensive. Mm-hmm. Right. Agreed. Okay, so shall we have a Chinese word of the day? Yeah, please. All right, so your word is to get a shot. So okay, that's great. Da zhen, so it's to get a shot. And you can check that out in the show notes, writtenchinese.com slash episode 118. Mm-hmm. We're getting up oh, yeah. there. <laughs> Yeah, I will. I'll link, as I mentioned before, all the articles and also to the resources I, I found for the certain vaccinations for the US and the UK. Uh, I'll also link to those in our show notes as well. Please share any of your experiences with vaccinations or medical services in China with our community on the show notes at writtenchinese.com, again, slash episode 118. Yeah. Or you can pop them over on Facebook. We're at facebook.com slash twowhitechicks. That's T-W-O, not the numeral two. <laughs> yeah, and if you would like to ask us a question, like Brianna, you can go to writtenchinese.com slash voicemail, and we'd like to hear your voice, but you can also just leave us a written question, too. Thanks again, Brianna, for writing in. This was a really interesting question. Hopefully, it's a little bit helpful for you. Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye. Bye.